This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This is the besotted pride of West London podcasts. And yes, it's been a very, very weird week. Starting off with that catastrophic loss to Charlton. And then followed with the news that Mark Warburton and his team, Dave Weir and Frank McParland, were going to leave at the end of the season. I'm Billy Grant and I've got a studio full of characters ready to discuss the week's activity. With me, I've got Mr. David Lane. Dave Lane, how are you doing, mate? David, oh, very, very, very formal, William. Oh, um, yeah, I'm all right, mate. Um, yeah, a bit, bit hacked off. To tell you the truth, yeah, Charlton wasn't good for my, uh, wasn't good for my karma. Um, obviously, the, the players have been affected by the week's shenanigans. Um, yeah, still, uh, we're waiting for the statement most of the week, weren't we? When the statement happened, it was. Uh, it was at least it was a bit of clarity, but uh, yeah, just just a bit 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 down to be honest with you, mate. Yeah, it was a bit bit of a strange one, isn't it? But you know, we'll talk about that later. Matt Allard, how are you doing? Oh, I've had a great week since five o'clock Saturday evening. I went to the theatre, caught up with a few films, played played a quiz last night. It's been it's been really good. Has there been much going on? Mm, I'm not sure actually. I'll have to see if I can read the newspapers uh, and find out what the score is. But anyway, you 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 good, mate. Good week then, yeah. I see you supping your wine there. Yeah, yeah. Just um, you know, but yeah, it's all been a bit weird. But I'm kind of feeling I'm 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 in a better mood than I was last Thursday. I think so. I think a lot of uh, a lot of the grey clouds have actually been raised raised from our heads anyway. And we've got liberal Nick Carfew. Yeah, hi Billy. Yeah, well, if they say a week is a long time in politics, a fortnight is an eternity in the life of Brentford. Um... But yeah, no, I'm all right. I've got my glass of black black stout here, but I'm not in a black mood. I'll move on. Um, I've just about recovered from the uh, text that Jim Levac sent me on Saturday after the game, for which he owes me a big apology, but we'll get around to that. Okay, I'm bringing it into Jim Levac, who's back with us again this week after uh, giving, you know, a, a different point of view. You know, Jim's very passionate about a lot of things, and we thought, let's get Jim back on just to uh, just to give us those views at the back end of this statement uh, that was announced today. Jim, how are you doing? Yeah, not too bad. Sort of uh, coming through it. I mean, I won't be retracting the uh, 
the content of the text that I sent to Mr. Cartier because that was based on uh, it was a gut reaction. I'm quite angry. Um, still a little bit angry, but uh, as, you know things move on and uh, it's getting a bit easier. It's, it felt like a bit of a bit of a bereavement, uh, if I'm honest. Uh, um, but I'm over it now. Getting unlike there. unlike your cold though, you're a bit bunged up, aren't yeah, you? Yeah, I was very white tonight. Right. Listen, but anyway, let's hark back. Then, I mean, we don't really want to, but we've got, we've got to, and we you know we get it out of our system. Let's go back and have a little look back to last weekend. We lost to Charlton. Not only did we lose, we got absolutely thumped three 0 You know, not saying Charlton were the best side of the world; they were average to say the least. But we didn't even turn up. Probably the worst performance since Stevenage, or should we call it Stevenage Gate, when uh, Uwe Rosler had all the players locked in the dressing room for 90 minutes and there was a fingers pointing, oh, it was your fault, your fault, oh my God, it's my fault. But listen, this is a different scenario altogether and we think we know the reason why, or maybe we don't. Let's have a listen to see what some of the fans had to say after the game in the pub. I think what we did today was do to Brentford what a lot of teams have done to us, sort of muscled them out of the game, won all the little battles and that opened it up and we had a bit of pace out there and actually we, instead of pinging balls across the back we were passing the ball forward and trying to attack which was the big difference. We were lucky that, they had, that you had this problem with the manager and uh, the owner um, but uh, when we, you could see on our players' faces they really wanted the points today. And you weren't quite sure whether you wanted them or not. You, you know, the, playoff, the problem with being in the playoff positions, top six, is you can go in and out the playoffs sort of, you know, regularly. You can lose a couple, win a couple, and you're back in the playoff position. So it hasn't got the same tension. Where we were, we had a lot of tension. So this was a make or break game for us. This, this will probably, we won't, we lose a load more games, I'm sure, before the end of the season. But this will probably be the turning point. I mean, they're a very good side. Uh, but they looked a little bit leaderless, rudderless, and that's the not very technical, brilliant players. Pritchard's very good, um, although he got pushed off the ball a lot today. The poodle, as you called him in the in the earlier game of the season. Yeah, I was going to then because you interrupted. I was going to refer to his four missed free kicks, but you know that is a bit of a waste, I'm sure. Um, but I, I thought you were good, but you didn't have the desire that we had. Um, and probably the game meant more to us than it meant to you. Did you think that you came out fighting because you got the result badly on Tuesday because you saw that maybe there's an opportunity because there's turmoil in the Brentford camp? No, I don't think that made any difference. I thought, uh, just thought we, we, we've a um, different team. Not, not nothing to do with Brentford. We come out fighting. Uh, two up front. Tony Wells started. He's going to be a hero at Charlton. He's going to be the next five men, Doc. I think the overall uh, feeling of negativity in the club right now, you know, with Warbsgate and all that stuff, I think it's had its effects on the players. They know that if he goes in the summer, I reckon they're thinking we're out of here, so my bother. It's a shocking thing where the manager's going at the end of the season, right? As a Charlton fan, we've had a res- right result today. You boys didn't turn up. But then for your chairman to say to your manager, you're having the best season you've had in a long time, you're going at the end of the season. What's that about? That's a joke. Oh, Charlton have been on the up recently. They got they were lucky. They got back to two goal, two all against uh, Norwich. They may be unlucky to lose three two. So they're on the up, and I think we're you know not on the up, not actually on the down, but I think you know there's negativity going on. So in a way, I'm not surprised to be fair. And, Nor- and um, Charlton come out today and they played it much better than we did. Every time one of ours got the ball, they had two of two of them on us. So we're unlucky. 
I hope this negativity ain't going to spread any further than it has done already, to be fair. No, I, I'd like to say that I, on balance, uh, we're very, very fair. Uh, yes. But we stuffed you. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what the fans had to say in the pub after the game. The long and the short of it, they thought we were poor. I mean, we're going to talk about the effect of this whole Warburton business on the team in a little bit. But first of all, let's go back to that game. Guys, what went wrong, do you think? I'm going to uh, call out somebody again. Um, watching the uh, highlights or lowlights on Monday, um, I'm afraid I thought our defence played appallingly. And particularly somebody I've had a go at recently, but I thought Mr Dean... Wasn't too impressed with some of the way that he performed. Um, I guess I reckon he was definitely at fault for the third goal um, and possibly for the second as well. So, mm, yeah, Mr. Dean got to got to up his game. Um, I, I just think it absolutely the, the the events of the week leading up to it had had drained the players. I think having played um, more than more than 45, 55 minutes against Watford with ten men. I think the players were drained. I think the ending to the game really zapped them of of a bit of spirit, and um, I think I think it was a, a proper punch in the nuts. Actually, that that last minute goal um, that Watford scored to beat us. Um, I think if we got a point out of that game, it would have it would have spurred us on. I think we would have well, we probably would have performed a bit better at Charlton, but. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I, I I don't I don't think you could you, I don't think you can dress it up any other way. The, the, all the rumours and all the confusion. The, the players weren't. The players weren't happy, um, and they 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 didn't perform at all. The, the first half, in particular, was awful. Second half, they picked up a little bit. I don't actually want to single out any players this week because I don't. I don't actually think it's fair under these circumstances. When we were all playing well, and there was no there was no sort of backstory. I think I think we can because there's no excuse. I think there was plenty of excuses on um, on Saturday, and this Saturday they need to they, they need to bounce back. Bournemouth not going to be easy, but um yeah Saturday Saturday at Charlton we never did well at Charlton anyway. I really really bloody hate going there. Dave, can I just pull you up about not naming players? I mean you know we are talking about professional footballers here who get paid a decent whack every week to perform on the pitch. Um, yeah, lots was going on off it. But when you step over that white line, you've got to put your heart and soul into putting the best performance that you can, not only for your own pride, but also for the pride of the supporters, for the yeah. pride of the team and whatever. Uh, and I think, you know, I, I they've got to be, you know, You've got to be better than just saying a load of events would have affected us. I take the point about tiredness. I do accept that. I think you, you make the right point about the Watford game, taking a lot physically out, out of the players and probably mentally as well. But the off-the-field events, you've just got to learn to put those to one side when you step think, over that field. Nick, the, the, the best managers never offer excuses. Um, and Mark Warburton didn't try to offer uh, what had gone on during the week as an excuse, but you know, you can put all the probabilities and statistical analysis to one side. Footballers are human beings, you know. Um, they've they've performed probably in excess of of what we would have expected of them this season, um, and they're human beings. They they make 
you know, they make errors. And yeah, I think Harley Dean had an off day, but it's one of very few that he's had this season. Um, and, you know, Yanaris was, was chucked in there. Um, it was a sort of makeshift defence to, to a large extent. Um, and, and I think that's the thing that we've, we've got to be really careful about, that we don't sort of go down this road of, yeah, statistical analysis is important, but, you know, there's human factors at play here as well. I think it's actually diff- I think it's difficult actually um, for that team on that on that day for what happened that whole week. I mean, you know, lady said it before having the you know having someone like being punched in the stomach that Watford game. I mean, we went to that Watford game and a little bit of a low, but then we got a high in that game because we thought actually we might get something out of it, and it's almost like we wanted to get something out of it to stick two fingers to whoever or whatever has created this situation. Like you know, didn't quite happen, and us as fans went into that game flat. We tried to get behind the team, but we couldn't even really do it because we were just flat. So also the players, you know, I can imagine them. Yeah, they're professionals and so on and so forth. But to try and perform out there, it was a, it was a bit of a nightmare for them. And uh, I, I think it's unfair to, to, to single out any single person for actually having a bad game because just as a whole, it's almost like the club, the fans, the, the managers, the players, everybody had a bad day on Saturday. And we, I think we just need to put that behind us. Can I... Can I go back to sorry, Gon, you go, Matt. You go first, Matt. Sorry. I I I kind of I agree with Billy in that I was flat, so I kind of get why the players were flat. I think if you just want to go down to individual performances, I don't actually blame the players, but um, you know, we talk about squad rotation can be a bad thing. We don't like that. But actually we pay for that when you have to bring in someone like Yanaris. Craig hasn't played much recently. They're not match fit, either of them, in my opinion. Um, and you can I think the first, maybe the second goal too came from, um, you know, came across from their side. So, you know, you can mitigate in some respects. The other thing is, I also thought we didn't actually... There was a point where it's clearly obvious that Yanaris and Dallas were really struggling together. And I just thought, just swap. Just get Hotter over there for five or ten minutes, somewhere with a left foot, and just try something different. But we didn't. I just Can I just go back to Nick on just, the, you know, n- naming the players? I, I, I'm, I'm with him pretty much all the way most weeks. I just think, I think there was just mitigating circumstances this week. And it was, it was, it, n- no one, no one that uh, represents Brentford Football Club had a particularly great week last week. Um, and I think you, I think you just write that one off and let's, you know, let them, let them, let them put their money where their mouth is this week. And, um, you know, everyone's, every, everyone's uh, said that the players won't be affected by this and they will bounce back against Bournemouth. Let's see if they do or not. Then we can... Can't, can't just say that, Dave. When when we say let's bounce back against Bournemouth, for me, the most important thing against Bournemouth is the performance rather than the result. Yeah. I, tell you, I tell you what, I'm so glad we're playing Bournemouth um, because if we were playing Blackpool on Saturday, I would be quite concerned that, you know, I, I can't see how they won't get themselves up for the Bournemouth game. If we're playing Blackpool... There's all sorts of scenarios and stuff that could have got, that could go on. That's right, and 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 just bringing that onto that point, I mean, you're exactly right, and this is something that we mentioned a little bit in an interview that we've coming up right now. I mean, at the moment now, the club, as we said, they made a statement a few days ago that Mark Warburton was to leave Brentford, you know, and he's going to leave it with his team. We're going to discuss the implications of this statement on Brentford FC and also the fans and everybody else in a minute. But right now. We're going to bring you a clip from the exclusive besotted interview with Mark Warburton and David Weir. They talked about all sorts of things, including playing Bournemouth on Saturday and whether or not it's better to play Bournemouth 
or Blackpool, or does it not really matter? A lot of clarity came from the statement, I think. A lot of questions were answered for players, for staff and supporters alike. So hopefully we can now focus on the most important part, which is the remaining 15 games. I think, yeah, I think ultimately that's the biggest disappointment, that you know the season has gone so well so far, and you know to have this happen when it's happened, it's ultimately it's a disappointment for, for us as a staff and for the players that you know people are talking about things other than how well the team have played this season and that's you know that's you know that's going to be the story but it has been for the past week and we just want to get back talking about the football and talking about how good the lads have done how good the team have played and how you know the Brentford fans are obviously proud of of that and you know to, to be talking about other things that's the that's the biggest shame of the whole thing for me really how easy or difficult is it to pick people up after after what's happened this week? I mean, there's, there's talk about there's, you know, the players being angry. Um, and I think from the fans' perspective, it's you know confusion and kind of yeah, we were kind of just we didn't want ever the, we didn't want the bubble ever to burst. You know, we were just happy, we were delighted with the season as it was going. But you know, I guess the statements laid out how it's going to be for the next three or four months but how as, as, as your roles are, are going to be here for, for the, for the, for the you know, short term how do you pick the team up how do you, how do you get them to focus on David Weir's at a top level career he'll tell you that it's about being professional the players are professionals and they've got responsibility to themselves their teammates the staff and the families and most importantly supporters you know, so I, I, I'm amazed. Football's a game of opinions, you know, in the, in the pub and people talking. That's the beauty of the game. Everyone's got different ideas about the game. But these guys are professional and they've shown their quality and their character and they want to drive forward. They want to play as high as they can. They want to earn what they can. They're, they're working men. They want to earn what they can, support their families and give it their best shot. They've earned a fantastic opportunity. Where they are in the league now, they've earned that. No one else, not you, not me, they've, they've done that with a fantastic work ethic and quality. It'd be a travesty to waste it now. So they're, they're hungry and they're focused, and the fans will be reassured. And the fans, the backing they give us and the players is outstanding. And we've got to repay that faith. It's interesting because we harken back to just over a year ago when Uwe left his job. Um, and you, I mean, you were the sporting director at the time, and your job was actually to go out at the time to find the next manager. So it was like, well, well let's find the next manager. And uh, there's all these names being thrown around in the old supporter circles, Kirbishley, Holloway, so on and so forth. But it must be quite weird for you having to line up the next manager when in your head you're thinking, actually, that's, I want to do that job. Yeah, it is very much so. And I applied for it right at the start before Uber, as, as you know, as documented. Uh, it was hard. Driving back, getting a train back from Carlisle, I had 27 names. Some big hitters wanted the job. Yeah. Well, I've got to ask you, Throw a few away. No, there's a few. <laughs> <laughs> but some big hitters who want to, he realised, yeah, wow, it's a, it's a, you know, it's a big job. Um, and football jobs are hard to come by. David and I both know that. Um, but as I say, Matthew was, he showed, come to Matthew, he showed a lot of trust and, uh, and bravery in that decision to give me the job, and it's a big risk. So for always be forever thankful for that. But I'm sure the supporters at the start must have thought, what is going on? I'm sure they did. I'm sure they did. But, over that course, the team were in good shape. We were lucky. If you remember, Jonathan Douglas scored that 89th minute goal. Well, I was going to talk about And things happened for, I said for a reason. Well, they all said to me, things happened for a reason. But it did. Jonathan Douglas scored a great goal. We win a game one nil. We win the next four games now, five out of five. David and I are working with the players and it, it, was, it worked off really well. And we had a great start and we pushed on from there. As you talk about Bidwell, Saville, these players that you picked up as sporting director, um, 
Didn't you want to stay in that role? No. <laughs> no. Didn't want to stay in that role. Because I, my office was down there. Before we moved to the Frank's Plush one at this end, <laughs> I was in the cheap port cabin at that end, and he used to kill me every day to come into work early in the morning and then look at the pictures being prepared and all that going on out there. That's the best bit of the job. I'm sure David would agree with it. The best bit of the job out there. The easiest bit of the job is out there. The hardest bit is off the pitch. Be it dealing with players or problems or agents or this, all of that peripheral stuff which causes you the most grief. The best busting job, without a doubt, is out there. Okay, so I'll ask, isn't it, isn't it fair to say though that if, if you were still sporting director, then maybe you might have fitted into Matthew's sort of new model that he's looking at more than at the moment now, is because at the moment, because your manager is a different situation. Do you hey, see what I'm saying? Kind of yeah, maybe. Maybe David might have his opinion from his side. I think it will be similar in terms of you've got, to, you've got to follow your passion, what you enjoy doing, and what you really think you can, where you can make a, a difference. So, your passion, your day to day involvement with the players, being out there on the training pitch, preparing for the game, you picking the team, that's, that's, that's what you're that's what, that's what you're If you ask David now, do you want to go and be a sporting director and deal with the agents and sign the players and travel around the world and get on the flights and do what Frank's just done, etc.? I'm not sure you want to do that, David. No, it's a really difficult job. Big to do job. that. And you know, being a manager is a difficult job as well. But you know, the pleasure you get from the result on Saturday afternoon—that's the best part. That's why, as a player, as a coach, you know, that's what you want. But when you're the manager, whatever you say, it's your team. It's your responsibility, and everyone else plays a part. But the manager ultimately is responsible, and he's the one that loses his job, or he's the one that takes the praise, and that goes with the territory. And you know, you've got to be a brave guy to go and do that. And, I think what's fortunate for us is we've got similar ideas and we want to win, but we want to win in a certain way and that's why it's been such a great experience because the football has been great for us to be involved in and, and watch as well, you know, you, you, you're in it but you're also watching it and saying, really enjoying that, really enjoying the way that, you know, the football is and I'd, I'd pay to watch that, I'd love to watch that myself, so to be involved in facilitating that and being a part of that's that's been great for me, we're, we're kind of going off the subject. I mean, you mentioned just briefly about the difference of philosophy. Uh, between obviously yourself and Matthew Bedham, I mean, could you talk to us a little bit more about that? Yeah, definitely, definitely. I think um, first thing is honesty is key. David and I and Frank will always give honest opinion, and so will Matthew and the board. So that that's a good thing about relationships. We're the forthright, and you can speak your mind. And and I think uh, as Matthew Staten said, they prefer a European model, more of a European model. With this sport director, the more of a head coach as opposed to manager, assistant manager, and as that's the model they prefer. And the recruitment strategy, whilst using traditional scouting methods, we have great emphasis on mathematical modelling, stats, etc., data. And that's it. And, and you also you saw the statement that the uh, the manager, the coach, will not have the absolute veto. And we just think, and David was only pin. We just think that you know, certain areas of responsibility which are important. Because whatever you, you mentioned about being number one or coach or whatever it may be. You've got to give yourself every chance of success. You know, you, you've got to. If you're going, if your job's a bricklayer and your job is to go and build a build a big wall, a six foot wall, and you haven't got enough bricks or you haven't got the tools, you're going to fail in your job. And we've got to make sure here that we're comfortable. I'd hate to. We could sit here and nod our heads and go, "Yeah, that's great, no problem." And December time, it's not working. We're frustrated. Look back and go, "I wish you'd been honest." Back in you know, back in February, March, I wish we'd said really spoke our mind and we're not like that we, we will rightly or wrongly we will speak our mind and you'd rather be honest now for the good of ourselves for the players and the staff and of course the supporters so in effect the role basically gives the the, the head coach as it is now 
sort of manager back in the day, but it's going to be the head coach, gives them less power in effect, is what you're saying. I'm not sure about it, it's just a different role. I, th I think, as I say, yeah, David's worked to them play at the highest level. I just think you've got to know what your area's responsibility are. You've got to know, you know, your reporting lines, who you're responsible for, who you answer to. All of these type of these are key questions. These are really key questions. And as I say, I think the statement was very good. It answered a lot of those questions. But we've got to be comfortable that we can we can go forward as we think it's a, the right route to take. But don't forget, it's Matthew's club. Enormous amount of investment. He's absolutely right to to run the club the way he sees fit. Every respect for for doing that because. It's, you know, as I say, when you invest that much money and continue to invest it, it gives supporters the security that their club is safe. People want to do it a certain way and you have to, you have to respect that. Because it's like you said, in the mathematical modelling, you know, you, you've used it already. You've, been, you've found players for it. I mean, I think Jota's probably found through them on possibly no, I mean, Andre. We, I'm just saying. No, we use it with it. We believe you're dead right. We use it with the players. Yeah. We use the data that the Matthew is currently produce and footballers being footballers, you know, you, you use the data in the right way and you show this is, this is your ranking. This is how far you're behind or above, or this is how near you are to these guys, and this is what you have to do, and the points totals, and they buy into it. They buy into the numbers because they look at Matthew and his business, and they know he's been very successful. Anyone would. That it's worked. I'm, I'm foolish to ignore that. Mm. You know, and as I said, we've embraced it and we've utilised it. No doubt about that. And enormous respect for, for that day. Yeah, and also the sporting director role isn't actually even new either. So what I'm saying is that maybe the things that have been put into place have kind of been there, but I don't know if. I'm, from the outside, it looks like it's kind of not been more streamlined, but it's kind of just been put into space in in more in a firmer fashion. I don't know. Am I, am yeah, I, being I think right? I think if you look at um, Fabio Parlin, for example, who's been responsible for signing some of the best players, you know, fantastic reputation. I think, as I say, it's it's a, it's a combination of traditional scouting methods, but a bigger emphasis on this modelling and stats or data, whatever you want to call it. And I think you've got to be comfortable with it. You know, Frank has signed some world-class players. He's got to be comfortable with it. We've got to sit here and be honest, and as Dave said, we've got to be comfortable every day. I think any line of work, so I look back in a year's time and go, oh, yeah, I think he's just wrong. Matthew's a genuine Brentford fan. He's a Brentford fan through and through. So the, the supporters know that. The investment is there, and it's a genuine belief in the club, which, 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 is, which is great. And it is getting your mind around it. And all, all of this has gone on the last week or so. Football fans being football fans, in a few days' time, it will be who's a new coach? You know, what's he going to bring and what's he going to bring and, and it's that's football that's the beauty of the game everyone you have a pint and you're talking about it and that's it you know that's how the game works so it's it's been negative it's been challenging it's been difficult for the last few days for everyone but i'm sure very quickly if we can get a couple of good performances in, and wins under a belt the most important thing is winning out there winning the pitch and suddenly fans buy into it they'll be excited about next season and what players will come in and who the coach will bring in and what what Matthew and the guys will find and it will be positive. There's already fans that are sort of saying, you know, Blackburn on a Tuesday night, is it worth it? I was going to I was going to take the day off work, but I'm not going to bother. You know, Sheffield Wednesday on a Tuesday night, I'm not even going to bother. It's kind of like that sort of slightly deflated feeling. And I think if anything, people just want to feel, you know, picked up because even, it's almost like, and I'm not saying this in other ways, that you guys, you know, there was, there's something that's been going on for a couple of months anyway, before all this came out. And... You know, if this hadn't come out now, everyone would be jumping and they'll be all happy and everything will be fine and they'll be getting behind you and getting the team going. And unfortunately, because this has blown up and come into the, you know, people found out about it, now we have to deal with this mess, but still be kind of enthusiastic about it. And I'm just, you, you see what I'm saying, Mark? And can, now, I, can I say an honest answer? Yeah. If you looked at, if you're a fan and you're, and I'm passionate, you are fans, 
you look at the league table, and we've been we're just outside the top six for the first time in three months, yeah. four months. Is that right? Yeah. And we're one point outside the top six at the start of the season. As you look at the league table now, what would you have said? Yeah, I'm so, what, what I'm saying is, I, I, I want it to come across in the right way. I think it's, it's really disrespectful, not of you, but comments about to the players to think that they wouldn't give their all for the club because whatever the situation now, they've worked hard to get where they are right now and they want to be the best they can be. And they're pros now. You may be driven by money, by the one to play in the Premier League, by the, whatever, whatever drives you. They're working guys. They're, they're really top-class pros and they want to give everything. And they, I think every player, every member of staff has said the support we've received from the fans has been magnificent. Absolutely magnificent. And in return, I think the fans would agree, the players have given everything every game. The chart was a bad game for us, but a lot happened. But every game the players have, you can never accuse a player of slacking or cover the pitch. So the blend is good. We've got fantastic support. The boys are performing. We're one point outside the top six. We can go up if we get down and really play together. Are we going to give that up? Because people are saying, I, I can't be on to go to Blackburn Rovers. Last year, it was Crawley or Stevenage or you know, not really sure of those clubs. Now, I can't be asked to go to Hillsborough and Ewood Park. Wow. Mm. You know, I think I think together, players, staff, supporters, everywhere we've gone this season, we've had a good impression. The noise, the way we conduct ourselves on and off the pitch has been great. I think it'd be a real shame to, to not have that same intensity now. So you're saying, basically, we should rebook that double-decker bus, open-top double-decker bus, for the bank holiday weekend in May, is that right? Absolutely right, Billy. We'd be negative to do otherwise. <laughs> that was a clip from the besotted Mark Warburton and David Weir interview. To listen to the whole interview, check out besotted.co.uk or go to audioboom.com forward slash besotted and you can also catch a video of the whole interview on YouTube, besotted1992. So, the moment that everyone's been waiting for is, as lots of people say, that they were, they were, they're waiting to see black smoke coming out of the top of a Griffin Park, like, you know, like the Vatican. The statement finally arrived a couple of days ago. And um, interesting statement, very long statement, very wordy statement. But obviously they were sitting down there and after the first statement that came out, they really had to get this one right. So they obviously looked at all the different parties and they put this statement together, which was, you know, quite a concise statement. We thought, tell you something, let's start this off by actually going through this statement and let's see if we can pull it apart a little bit and just talk around it. So the statement, in effect, it said, you know, at the end of the season, Mark Warburton, David Weir, Frank McParlin is going to be leaving and they've agreed terms on that. Um, it said, Mark and David, in particular, will work with the first team till the end of the season. Frank McParlin has been put on gardening leave. Matthew Menon has made this decision for the long-term prosperity of the club. So it's a long-term thing. This whole thing, and this is quite a key point, I think, is that discussions have actually been taking place for many, many weeks prior to the news breaking. So, you know, it's saying that all parties knew, Mark Warburton, David Weir, everybody they knew about this, and the discussions were taking place. And that was regarding, obviously, the new structure, the head coach and the sporting director. This is going to be a new, going to be a new recruitment structure which is going to involve traditional scouting methods and also mathematical modelling. The key, and there's one key point here, the head coach will now not have absolute veto on signings. So the head coach is what used to, well, was called at the moment the manager. He's going to become a head coach and he's not going to have veto on signings. 
but he'll have a strong input. And also another key point there is that the structure will remain in place, whoever the head coach is. So it's almost like the structure comes first, then whoever comes into it comes in. So basically we're finding the people who want to operate within this structure and it'll just carry on. So they're saying they're planning ahead. So changes are in place for the next transfer window. So by the time end of the season comes, next transfer window, the head coach and all his people are going to be in place. And we could actually start buying players with this whole system in place. Matt Benham said, I'm a passionate Brentford fan um, and I've done this for the best interests of the club. He also said an interesting statement. He said, innovation and not increased funding can be the only route to success for clubs like us. He's emphasised the fact that it's all amicable and they remain friends. And I think that's been backed up by um, Mark Warburton and David Weir as well. Cliff Crown made the point that a lot of clubs are criticised for short-term thinking. We're thinking long-term. And yes, this structure might be unusual in the UK, but it's very common in Europe. And he said we would have loved to have Mark Warburton to stay with us, but he said it's not for him. And that kind of reflects as well what he talked about at the fans forum, where at the time they were saying he's going to stay with us. You know, we want him for the long term, but they were worried that he might go elsewhere. Mark Warburton has obviously said he's disappointed in being able to un to resolve these philosophical differences, but now he's happy they're clarified. He says he's going to move heaven and earth for promotion, as you've heard in the interview. And if you could see it online as well, he talks a lot about that. He's got enormous respect for Matthew Benham and he has the right to run the club whichever way he sees fit. And he's absolutely privileged for managing a great group of players and he's totally focused on getting us up this year. So that's that's that's, that's the statement in, in a bit of a nutshell. So we're going to talk about that in a bit. But before, I'm just going to have a few little points which I'm going to drag out from here as well. And I'm going to let you guys talk around it. Firstly, you know, the impression that I have, and I think everybody else has, is obviously it wasn't an easy decision um, to do it this way. Things have been going swimmingly well. And normally the easiest thing to do is to just do nothing. So it wasn't an easiest decision. And everyone has said that, you know, from, that, from, from all sides. Even Mark Warburton said it's not been easy. Ben Benham, Cliff Crown, everybody. Also, it's interesting, like I said, they've been planning this for a while and uh, and it's been taking a while for this to happen. Um, the immediate assumption, again, when this press interview came out, is like, oh, my God, you know, no one knows anything about it. But this has obviously been in the ether for a while, whether or not it's been two or three weeks. I think it's longer than that. This is I think this has been months or maybe even longer as well. We've had the, the structure in place. You know, I, I think that, you know, if you look at it, Mark Warburton was sporting director all the time. So they seem to have had a structure in place already. And, you know, he was sporting director. You know, we had the stats that came in maybe here and there. But Mark Warburton also, you've got his players. And it's fine and it worked. And Uwe Rosler, who probably needed the sporting director a lot to try and find the players, it worked perfectly. Everything turned on its head a little bit, I think, when Mark Warburton became manager. It's not a terrible thing. It's just one of those things that's happened. So all of a sudden, Mark Warburton sort of almost become the sporting director type manager type thing. Also, the new structure, it takes away power from the manager or the head coach as it is, because now what they want to do is take the manager, has no veto, can't sign. And that obviously doesn't work for Mark Warburton. Um, my hunch, and this is totally myself, and you know, no one said anything to me, but I'm just getting a hunch. I think that maybe Matthew Brenham, even though Mark's a great manager, may have regretted him getting the manager's job, probably in the long term, because he probably thought this guy's an absolutely brilliant sporting director and he'll do a really great job for us. And, you know... But it's all down to ambition and whatever else Mark wanted to do. But maybe we wouldn't be having these conversations if Mark was still sporting director. Another thing, and it's talked about in the interview as well, that 
it's not new, this um, mathematical modelling thing, because we've used it to identify players like Gray, Odebarju and Hotter, as we talked about in the, in the Mark Warburton interview as well. So, you know, we do use it as well. And from Benham's statement, he says money is a big issue. Money is a really big issue. We can't just, can't, you can't just spend, spend, spend. So he needs innovation. He needs to do something so that he's just not throwing money at it, throwing money at it all the time. And the last point I just want to say is that obviously planning ahead for the future, is that such a bad thing? You know, it probably hasn't happened the right way, but planning ahead for the future, a lot of companies don't do it. A lot of clubs don't do it. Um, would this have been such a big issue if it hadn't come out in the press now and they were planning behind everyone's backs and just doing their own thing professionally and at the end of the season, this had happened? Anyway, guys, that's me telling my little bit from my little points, but talk amongst yourselves about that. Laney? I think, um, you know, there's, just, there's so much to extrapolate from that, but let's go through a few points briefly. Um, the, probably one of the biggest plus points of, of, of the statement and speaking to Mark Warburton today was the fact that we had excelled, we had, we had achieved our finest results during a period where there was disagreement already taking place. So this bombshell that happened last Tuesday, this sacking headline, the thing that has completely chucked the bombshell into this, was already happening. There, there were there, there were there were discrepancies, there were disagreements. But during that time, Warburton and Weir and the team were achieving their optimum performances and winning at places like Leeds and Norwich. So that that that's that was kind of heartening that this uncertainty hadn't destabilised the club on on the on the managerial on the playing side. Um, the bombshell, I still think, is a complete and utter fucker because if that story hadn't have been leaked, we might we might have we might have spluttered through a few more weeks. Um, and as Warburton said, we're at a stage now where we're in a 15, 15 game season. And that is hugely exciting that even with this derail, this possible derailment, we are within sniffing distance of getting into the playoffs this season. And that is a massive, massive incentive. Um, the other thing that stands out for me from all of this is that Mark Warburton deserves to follow his heart. Um, and that's part of the problem here. If he was just a jobber, if he was just looking after being employed in football, then there was an opportunity to slip back upstairs. That's not a euphemism, Jim. And um, become director of football again. But now he's tasted the day-to-day involvement with the players and coaching. That That's clearly where his passion is. And that's where we need to... We need to wish him our best, and and he's right. You know, he left he left a, he left a multi million pound job to 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 follow his passion, and that's what he'll continue to do. Um, I wish he was doing it with Brentford. I wish there. I honestly, hand on my heart, I really honestly wish that there was some sort of coming together here where that we could find a role we could continue because he's such the perfect Brentford man. You know. I, I, you know, I go back to what I said last week. I wish this moment in time would have lasted forever, where we've got a lovable, likable, knowledgeable, decent bloke managing our club. You've got a Brentford fan with untold resources and knowledge. 
owning our club and you've got this unique hodgepodge of fans and stadium and pubs and Brentfordness. It, it's a brilliant, brilliant mix, and I just wish it could have continued. But now it now it can't. You've, I think we've all got to be a bit grown up and just kind of we we, we have got to buy into Matthew Benham's vision because you know he's never let us down. Um, and the guy is a genius. Um, and I, I, I honestly, honestly think we just we have to we have to just we have to keep focused on on innovation. We, we, we do. It's, it's the only thing that's going to set us apart. But we've got to do it in a Brentford style. So, you know, it's, it's a lot to take in. Um, and I, just, I still wish last Tuesday had never happened. Dave, can I ask you one question? Because you and Billy met him um, Thursday. Uh, Mark Warburton, uh, do you think there is even the slimmest possibility that Mark Warburton might change his mind and buy into the new structure? No, I don't. I don't. Um, in the, in so the... is, it, is it just veto then, Dave? That that is is the the sort of stumbling this tiny stumbling block. Oh, is that what it is? Possibly. Possibly. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't. I don't think you can sum any of this up in a sentence. I think I think it's it's, it's a very deep conversation, and it's, it's, we we need, certainly need more than an hour and a half or whatever this this week's podcast is going to be. Um, but I still I think there's a there's a driving ambition. You know, some if someone were to leave a job where they were making untold pounds in in the in the in the sort of foreign exchange market to follow your dream, and yeah, he he's been. I'm sure at times Mark Warburton's been quite ruthless to get to get to where he is but you know he's, he's proved that he can do it and I, I don't I don't think I don't think he wants to and nor should he um want to kind of dilute dilute his his, his passions and his visions he's he's a, he's a deeply honorable guy and he's he's got huge huge um ambition and huge huge talent um see the problem for me Dave is is that you know he's he's tasted football management now in, in its sort of old-fashioned if you like um sort of format so he has power of veto over who comes in they have to be the right characters and he talks about that a lot um he's got a really tight-knit group there talks about alan judge coming back like a new signing he's got a great sort of spirit going within that dressing room and that that has been the key to our success this season as well as the you know the, the statistical sort of signings of Odebajo and people like that but with with by, by chucking that out that sort of man management old-fashioned man management if you like you know you and bringing in a purely statistical based um sort of format with possibly a foreign manager you know now I'm a big fan of English managers personally um you know you, you risk losing all of that and, and you look at Abramovich, did the same with, with uh, Mourinho and then realised he'd made a mistake. Well, I mean, what I would say for that, Jim, and the thing is I'm not speaking for anyone because it's, it's not my club, but I think that one it thing that... It is your club, though, Billy. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Is, no, um... it is. That's, see, that's the point. <laughs> no, it isn't. That's just the point. No, that, yeah. not, well... No, this I don't listen. Not, no, yeah, but it is. But yeah, but I haven't put ninety. You know, I'm put ninety million to the club. You know what I'm saying? And I can't. You know, as much as we might say, we've got you got your view. I've got my view. Even though we're massively passionate about it, you know, we can't have thirty-seven people basically, or five forty-five people, or eighty people 
giving the vision as to exactly how the club's going to run. We could throw our input in and say, tell you something, this is what the club's all about, so on and so forth. But at the end of the day, is that you need to have a chief to say, tell you something, this is, this is how it's going to be done. This is how it's going to do it. This is how I'm going to spend my money. And, uh, you know, and, and, and I think that's how, that's how, that's how Matt, that's how Matt's decided, you know, Matt's decided to, you know, to, to do it really. And I also think that we need, we have, we have to, we have to check history. We have to go through all the tyrants and all the idiots that have been in charge of our football club. And you have to put them in an order. And then of all those people, who's at the top of the list? You know, Matthew uh, Benham, yeah, he's, he's yeah, a top yeah, so, man. So, yeah, he is. So, 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 and where were we when he when he took over, and where are we now? And yeah, I quite agree, Dave. It's, and, uh, it's, all, it's all his guidance, and and even if this episode fails, and the next managerial decision or the next structuring decision is a mistake, he will not let us go back to be playing Rochdale. That but what, not, but that what will, I was got. But what I was going to say, just quickly, just coming back to that, is what I was trying to say is that he, you're saying about, the thing about this mathematical thing is that, you know, I think a lot of people are taking it very literally. There's two points here. First of all, it's not it's not rocket science. It's not new. It's, it's already been used. We've used it quite a lot within the club already. Okay. From what, I've, from what I can understand, Matt thinks that Mark is still one of the best managers going. He thinks he's absolutely brilliant. But... He's been running his club in a particular way, and I think what he's decided to do, he's saying, listen, I want to put a structure into place which is now formalised, and then I want the people to work together with me in the right way. So for him, the ideal scenario would, of course, be if Mark wanted to work in this situation with him, because brilliant manager, brilliant man-manager, finds players, you know, also uses stats, whatever it may be, that'll work out fine. But obviously this reasons whether or not it's players or not signing of players or or the fact that he's come from sporting director down to manager which doesn't now work for Mark it might have worked for him two or three years ago but it doesn't work for him now and so now we've got this situation where it doesn't work for us as a club because Mark is on a different trajectory and Matt, Matt Benham saying this is the way I want to run my club and Unfortunately, even though he's a brilliant manager and he, he's doing miracles with the team as it is now, I will rather risk because that's what I do because I've made millions make doing risks and being successful at doing it. I'll rather go out and, and find somebody else who's going to run it in the way that I can do because the club is always going to be here. If it all goes right, I'll always be here. The fans will always be here. And that's, I think that's his view. And if that next manager doesn't come in and he's not right, then you'll find the next one and the next one. And the next one I, may be a brilliant man manager as well. Or he might. Yeah. Be, yeah I, I think I, part, of the, part of the point there, as you say about he'll bring the next one in, the next one in, the next one in. And part of this restructure is to allow him to do that ease, more easily. And that may be a good or a bad thing. But if Mark Warburton stayed for another year or another two years, and he got more, his influence became more and more, he'd be even more difficult to replace. So I think structurally, structurally, this is part of the thinking. And it's the Southampton, that Southampton model, um, where a coach goes, you get another coach in, the coach buys into the philosophy, and not a lot changes. You bring in, the, the, the football director brings in more players in the summer, and they're sitting in the top five in the Premier League. We all go easy. on about we all go on about the Southampton model. Sounds um, easy. And, uh, we we all go on about the Southampton model, which is which is a good one and is clearly working. 
Um, but at the same time, you've also got Swansea and West Brom who adopt the same model. Um, and they've been through some more tricky times. I mean, West Brom particularly at the moment. What concerns me as well is that, say, for instance, Nigel Pearson were to get sacked on Saturday, um, Leicester might well come along and say, who's the brightest manager around who, you know, up-to-date, modern, and go for Warburton? Would, will Mark still be here um, at the end of the season with us? But having said that, all that... I actually do think that it's it's the right decision. I'm amazed and I can't get over the professionalism that Mark Warburton and David Weir have shown throughout all this. Um, And that has got to be a real uh, bonus in the cap because any club that takes them on next season, by God, they're going to have a strong managerial team. Absolute gents. They they really made us feel very, very welcome today. Um, And... We act. We prove. We. They didn't. They didn't duck out of any questions. And, did and, did well, you ask them that question though? You probably you can't face to face. But I mean, if if a club came to Warburton tomorrow or Sunday and said, you know, come and join us. We know you're not wanted at Brentford. Come and join us. Would he go? Okay, the thing that he said, and, and you know, again, very professional, and he, you know, he, he knows exactly the right things to say. But I think he also feels it. He said, "100 percent, our heart is in Brentford. The focus is in Brentford. Brentford's the way forward. I still believe we can go up this season or give it a good crack." And at the end of the day, I mean, you have to look at the sort of the Uwe Rosler situation. Uwe Rosler, he he left a little bit too early. He didn't even get a championship underneath his belt. And he took that opportunity when he could do, and he jumped, you know, to the next place, which, you know, great opportunity. But maybe you've got to look at that scenario, and he's thinking, look, you've got 15 games to go. I can either join West Brom now, or whoever it may be, or I can wait till 15 games, and in the close season, I can have a look around to see who's available and just do the right thing. But I don't think he's in any rush to go to anywhere just for the sake of it, because I think he's going to make the right move and, uh, and go to the right place. So I think he'd rather see it out here, he thinks he owes it probably to the players, um, to the fans. He's got a real connection. He talked about it and he says, look, he, you know, we talked about the fact that, you know, fans are peed off that they're going to be buying hotels in Blackburn and buying hotels at Sheffield. And is it really any point anymore? Because, you know, given up. And he said, don't be absolutely ridiculous. You know, you hear it in the interview. Don't be ridiculous, lads. I mean, we're one point off the playoffs. We're seven points off the top. I mean, if you, a year ago we were playing Stevenage and now you're, you're moaning about going to Blackburn. He goes, come on. You know, we're up for it, so you've got to be up for it. So I reckon he's. I'm glad, he's... I'm glad to hear that because I'm glad to hear that because I can't get a refund on my hotel in Blackburn. So, yeah. <laughs> so I'll tell you what, I wish I, wish I, did, I wish I didn't like him. I wish he was Neil Lennon. I wish he was. <laughs> I wish he was. I mean, I wish he was someone else because then you could kind of go, oh, fuck it, it doesn't really matter. You know, just say the V, you know, yeah, that shit happens in football. I think, but, I think but, that's the thing, though, Dave, isn't it? That that's what's caused the sort of. To, to some extent, the team Benham and team Warburton sort of yeah, uh, the rift. I, I, I think I really think we owe it to both of them to um, not polarise the two of them. They, there doesn't seem to be any massive falling out between the pair of them. There just seems to be a fundamental, I want the club run this way. I don't really want to be a manager that way. And Mark Warburton, fortunately, has got enough behind him to be able to be able to follow his heart and you know 
I, I, I've got to take my hat off to him. To, 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 you know, I, I'm I'm one that's followed their heart in in my career decisions, and I I can regret some things that I've done, but I'm glad I bloody well did them because I can only blame myself, and I can't be blaming other people. And I've I've not I've tried not to I've not to I've I've not sort of pimped my my morals to do it, and and he's not he's not doing it. Um, and, and I can really, I can really see it in his eyes that he he has got a vision of how he wants to be a football manager now. Now he's tasted it, and he'll bloody well do it. And he and and if that means leaving a nice little cushy number, just not to be a yes man, then then he'll do it. And um, you know, Brent, Brentford fans will miss him. Um, so, so will the new system then mean that the head coach will be a yes man? Well, we're in crystal ball territory. All we know that there's a there's a there's a mis- there's a there's a an, 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 a non-alignment of, of vision um, between those two, and and at the end of the season, one will move on. See what you have here, though, from reading between the lines, and obviously, you know, you've met both sort of parties that that Matthew Benham wants to sort of have more of a, a say or give his director of football more of a say in who comes in and Mark Warburton didn't want that so as you as you rightly say he's following his heart he's, he's man of principle and he's, he's decided no I can't work under that but if you've got somebody Paco Rabanne or whatever his name is coming in you know that he he will just be there to do as he's told by Matthew Benham effectively I think I think I think that's a bit I think that's a bit simplistic as I think well. I think you're looking for a tyrant as well. Not really, no, no, I'm not because I I trust Matthew Benham to do the right thing, but I do. It does concern me that you know we, we've sort of torn up something that was working well, and, and you know part of that's due to the, the initial statement as well. I think that was well we've talked about that, but I do think that the the system. I'm, not, I'm not comfortable with that kind of system where the owner has quite a major major say in who comes into the club. But is it, Matthew Benham is, knows is the question, as much about does he? players as... From, this is what I see it as, is that owner man is in the corner with his mates and his computer knocking out all these numbers, betting syndicates and all sorts of stuff going on, and all this information is coming out. Information gets fed into football club. Football club takes information... And looks at it and thinks, and 10 players come out. Then them 10 players go out and people have a look at these 10 players and say, oh, should we or shouldn't we? But they they look at the players with information that they've got on their, you know, from, from this computer from somewhere. Do you know, you know what I'm saying? So saying the owner is saying that you've, you have to sign this, I think the owner's kind of saying, look, I've got a box over here with lots of information. I want you to use it. And... I think the argument is to how much or how little this information is used and the balance up between using this information and using traditional scouting techniques, which may be going down to a football pitch or hearing from somebody's mate or whatever those, those that, that may be. That's where it comes as opposed to somebody just telling you to sign a player, I think. Yeah. But you've yeah, said I that mean, they've I'm... already used that. You've already, they've already used that for Hotter. Odebajo they have, but so but I think there's but I think the problem but the, obviously the problem is is it's um, how much it is, we don't know how much it is or isn't being used. And I, I, you, you don't you don't know. I, I, we've got no idea as to how 
whatever the whatever the future system is, it's not going to be a hundred percent purely statistical based. There, there is always going to be some some kind of scouting factor taken into it. I think I think what's happened here is a natural parting of ways as well. You know, there's this is a window in time, and you know, you know, Mark, we, we're we're forgetting the fact that someone will have come in or would would have come in for Mark Warburton at some stage. And he probably would have he probably would have left. Um, you know, w- w- there was the, the bombshell that was Tuesday. It, it factored in that that we were looking for um, succession management. There was, the, you know, um, Matthew Benham was looking at what happens if this happens, and there was two, two or three names or four names on his list or however many names are, are on his list. You know, the, the 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 Tuesday the Tuesday bombshell changed it. These discussions were going on in the background. You know, Mark Warburton might have been looking for a, for his next role anyway. You know, the the thing is, we we have to we have to we have to. I'm sure that it isn't going to be some sort of computer nonsense that that completely. No, no. I know this this is a bit simplistic what I'm about to say, but you, you are straying quite close to the realms of an owner a non-football person effectively but who's a genius in in his chosen profession of of betting picking the players that he wants to come into the football club why why you say non-football well Uh, yeah i think that's gone go on no 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 because i because i think he may not he hasn't played football he hasn't managed a football club but his business is geared around this. Um, and I'm sort of being a bit devil's advocate because I'm not sure I entirely agree with it. But he clearly believes that this system he has of picking players, and he was talking about it, I don't know, a year or two ago in the book I've mentioned before, The Nowhere Man. Um, he clearly believes that he he can find players to offer to the club that won't be mm. found otherwise. Yeah, I got cheaper. I, I, see, I see what you And mean. cheaper, and yeah, cheaper. Yeah, you're right. No, I know, and, and that... And he knows he sounds, and, yeah. and, and in the interview, he knows he sounds completely. You know, he knows that he's up against this. You can sense so, in this Matt. interview that he that he doesn't. He knows that that football is incredibly conservative, and he is up against it, trying to convince people. If you if you watch the Sky Sports News uh, yesterday morning, yeah, okay, you had there was footage of all the players coming out, um, sort of after they were told the news. Okay, um, yeah. and. You see them walking out, and the body language wasn't good. It, it, you know, I agree. It, they, I agree. They, they, you know, Peter Gillum looked sort of, you know, quite, quite gutted actually. Um, and then you saw from the back of the pack, Sam Saunders running to get, you know, into the into the dressing room to sort of, and and knowing Sam Saunders as we do, he's the kind of character who will g the players up, good around the dressing room gets people going, model pro, trains well, experience, etc. Now, he will probably not feature on a on a sort of statistical list of the top players, but his qualities and attributes but, but as we a don't, human being... Jim, Jim, we don't know that because maybe he does. We, well, you do, know, we does, don't it, know. does it flag stuff like that up then? Yeah, yeah. No, they, um, yeah. yeah. Why, no, no, why, yeah no. sorry, in terms of his performance on the pitch, I mean. Matt. Is the, yeah, go on. Dave. Wife Shagger is on the staff list. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, because, and I just think that, again, I am being a devil's advocate because I'm not sure I entirely agree with it, but maybe that it's worth looking at. Well, I mean, 
two things here. One of which is, Matt, you were right. I mean, football is an incredibly conservative yeah. profession. Yeah. Um, and we are entering into a big new adventure here. Um, and I think, Jim, in answer to your point about would Sam Saunders get on, you know, the stats list, right. I think he probably would, because I think one of the things that would be shown is what heart and character um, gets gets demonstrated, because they look into they look into psychological profiles, they do all this sort of clever stuff, as far as I understand, and you know, I think it would demonstrate to you that Sam Saunders is a is a professional professional, if that makes sense. Um, so might well get might well get played in. Um, we've got to you know we've got to believe that this is going to work. Um, we'll find out. Um, in the long term, whether it does. And the, the thing that worries me is that we can't start panicking if, let's say, we're not going to go up this year, OK? And next year we find ourselves in 15th place in the championship in November. If we start panicking then and thinking, should we revert back to the old model and and really agitating against Ben and that that... Next November, November 2016, is going to be the test point for Brentford. Sorry, November 2015, going to be the test point for Brentford fans. Um, and I think we've just got to stick in there. And it, as I said, it's going to be an adventure. It's going to be a roller coaster ride. Um, it's going to have its ups and its downs. But and by God, it's scary. But, you know, let's I do, stick with I it. Do, yeah, I think you're right. But I do think that, you know, and I've, I've said this a few times in, in pieces that I've written, that, that maybe I'm just a little bit wary of blind, of completely blind faith, you know, um, that that you do need people, um, you know, possibly cynical gits like me to, to sort of raise the alternative sort of view, if you like. Um, and I think it's important that there's a dialogue, which is why I also think it's very important that um, as soon as it's practically possible, Matthew Benham needs to, you know, get somebody to handle the, the PR, you know, either for him personally. Uh, well, yeah, for him personally, because, I, I, you know, I, I would have liked to have heard today that he's been up to the training ground and spoken to the players, etc., etc. Just a little one liner. I'd like to see something, you know, in a bit more detail of him talking about his footballing philosophy. That, um, that, in the that, Telegraph or something that, like that. That, that, that I do agree with you, Jim. And I mean, I think we've heard um, from from Mark Warburton a lot on the media this week, who's been utterly and totally professional, mm. and you know, pointed out. I I understand why Matthew Benham himself might not want to appear on on the media or on radio or television. But um, Cliff Crown, for instance, as our chairman, a very good performer. I would wonder whether Cliff might think about, um, you know, making a few appearances to actually explain that, A, um, how amicable this divorce is, as it seems to be, as, as Mark Warburton is saying it is, um, and B, just to go into a little more depth about what it is that the club are exploring and trying to do. Well, I think... I think it needs to be Matthew Benham, though, personally. Yeah, I, don't, I don't think it's too much to ask now uh, for, our, you know, for our football club to be, to be run off the pitch as professionally as it's been run on the pitch for the last couple of years. I, I think, you know, I think it's, it's shown that you know, the last, last couple of weeks that we've been, lack, we've been left lacking in a, in, a, in, a, in a couple of really key areas off the pitch, and they, they need to address that. 
Um, yeah, I'm not sure that's completely fair, though, Dave, because, I mean, the initial statement that came out of the club actually was was drafted by the board. So, you know, uh, somebody felt that that was the right thing to do. Now, Cheers. you know, hindsight's a great thing, but it, it clearly wasn't the right thing to do. Listen, I'm just going to I'm going to throw a little phrase in there as well. Just looking at little parts of the other parts of the of the statement, and like I said, an interesting uh, phrase from uh, Matthew Benham: innovation, not increased funding, can be the only route to success for clubs like us. Discuss what, what, what does he mean by that? Well, I mean, I, I I read into that that the guy has put ninety million pounds into the club. He doesn't have a bottomless pit. Um, he d- can't throw. You know, me- I I doubt whether even Matthew Benham can throw another ninety million pounds into uh, taking forward the, uh, the Brentford. So therefore, what he's saying is that we've got to work on a way of um, finding out how, you know. Living within our means, you know, as I a mean, championship club. Do, do, I mean, do you think as well? I mean, we're at a situation now because we're talking about we needed to buy we needed to buy a striker in the in the Christmas. We needed to buy you know a, a, a striker and players over the summer, and we get to the situation where you're in the championship. And I remember actually I spoke to Clayton Donaldson's agent, and he was telling me about the figures. He's going, oh, you wait, you know, I'm, I'm going to hold off till we get to the championship. When we get to the championship, I'm going to whack you with loads of money because the the wages, you know. £15,000 minimum is what you expect to get there and the fees will be astronomical. So I'm just going to hold off. And I don't know if we're at the situation where all of a sudden Brentford, we're in there, everyone thinks we've got an owner with loads of money and everyone is coming to us and just trying to charge us loads of money for these strikers. And we're kind of put into a situation where not we feel we have to play it. And and Matt's looking and thinking, look, I'm not being funny, but there's a striker who's coming and... They're trying to charge us five million for him, and he wants twenty five grand a week. And you know, there's a striker who, you know, I feel or I've been told or my system tells me is is one point five million, and he wants you know eight grand a week. And you know, maybe he might be as good or better. I, I don't know, but I'm just thinking I tell that you, I, this is about resale value as well, because yeah. he's thinking you know this is the whole principle in this area is that you find value for money. So it's so it's as much about that in that you find people that are under the radar, they value for money, they play for you, and then you move them on and you make money. That's and right, that's, and that's it's, part it's, of this whole system. Yeah, Matt's right. It's you know look at the uh, look at the movements that came out of Southampton in the transfer window, Adam Lallana, for etc. And that, that, that's what this is about, partly. You know, the the, the transfers. It's not it's not bringing in players that are going to get you. Maybe promoted. It's not signing Darren Bent. Is it, but also, is, is there an argument to say as well? And just coming back to sort of a lot of what maybe what Jim's saying as well, and what Dave's saying as well. Where again, we went to see Mark today at the training ground, chatted to us, and you know, both of us turned around and we just thought, listen, you know, we'd love him to be at this club because what he does and what he does with the players and how he he deals with the fans and everything like that is absolutely brilliant. But also. You know, is it a case of, you know, a humane person, somebody who can actually work with people in the right way? So, like I said, if it's a stat or if it's not a stat, the fact that you can actually take players up to that next level doesn't matter who they are. And the fact is that you can actually turn rough diamonds into kind of smooth diamonds as well. I mean, yeah, I mean, I agree. I agree, Billy. Just two words there. Timani Diagaraga. 
you know, yeah, I mean, look, you look know. what he's done with him this season. And, and and again, of course, and he's a, again, he's now a great player that every that everybody's you know going fantastic. But interestingly, if you put that to the jury, beginning of the season last season, and you ask the fans, most people, even though they yeah, like him, yeah. they said, you know, we want you to be a top. We're going to we're going to be top six in six months' time. Should we have Tumani? Most of the fans have said, oh, oh no, 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 because. Everybody is a football manager and everybody knows how to run a club out there as well because that's just kind of what happens in football because you live it and you breathe it. So everyone thinks that they know the right thing to do, you know. But most people now, if you said to them, what do you think about, you know, Tamani six, eight months ago, they'll, they, they wouldn't say, oh, I thought, nah, nah, got a bit, you know, send him off to, you know, Coventry, give him, get a bit of cash for him. No, and that's, that's again, it's another part of the whole game, isn't it? Billy, can I come yeah. back to the point that that's... I made earlier? What we are on is a really big experiment. And um, we're going to be absolutely watched by clubs both in the um, Premiership and in the Championship for how successful it want to be. And we'll take a lot of um, flack. We already have this week from um, other supporters of other clubs who can't understand what we're doing. Um, and that goes back to Jim's point, and which I, I do agree, is that somebody needs to get out there quickly. So at least... Brentford fans understand and can try and explain in as much as you can ever explain to, to to other people what it is, the experiment that we're all being a part of. Okay, I'm talking about the clubs being criticised for short-term thinking and Cliff Crown's come out with a point saying, listen, you know, we're thinking long-term here. Is this just an excuse or... You know, can you see the validity in, in what he's saying here? Because there's a lot of people are just saying, listen, if it ain't broken, why are you going to fix it? You know, it's not broken. Let's just carry on and do the same thing what we're doing. Now, this long term thinking. It becomes quite hard to justify at this very moment in time because no one could see in the future. Okay, so, let, what do let, we do? Let me put it. Let me put it this way. OK, so. Just because Brentford have only had four good, five good seasons, six good seasons in 125 years, <laughs> right? it doesn't mean that with good management and great science and wonderful vision that we cannot become a great team in the future. Just because we are arguably still the poor relation of West London, it doesn't mean that will always be the case. So football has only been going for 125, 135 years. Its future is a lot longer than its past. And with the right vision, there's no reason why some of these dinosaurs who are quite big now won't be minnows in the future. So... We have to be prepared to make some tough decisions along the way to make sure that the future isn't like the past. And if the person that is making those decisions is wealthy enough to ensure that if there are mistakes, they're not catastrophic, that we won't go back to how we were, then we have to embrace it. And I am embracing it. There you go. Said it. Listen, We've talked a lot about this, but I think, guys, we're just going to sum up on this um, situation because, obviously, we're moving forward. Warburton says that he's here. 
for the duration. David Weir said he's here for the duration. We've got a big game on Saturday against Bournemouth. But Nick, just a couple of final words on this Mark Warburton scenario and how we're going to move forward. Uh, we've got to buy into it. Um, however reluctant you might be as a football fan um, with what has happened and the changes that are being proposed, we've got to buy into it. On Saturday, we've got to applaud Mark Warburton on and off the pitch, whatever happens. Um, but for the next uh, 15 games, we also have to uh, say to Matthew Benham, thank you, and uh, we're going to be part of it. Jim, what's your thoughts? Yeah, I, I, absolutely. I mean, to be honest, it's a, a case of uh, what's happened has happened, and we've got to make the best of it now for the rest of the season. Now, you know, we're only one point off sixth place, so as Mark Warburton says, there's a really good chance uh, that we can still make it into the playoffs. Um, you know, and I, I don't see any reason why not if the players, you know, react as, as I'm pretty certain they will. Um, I, I also buy into the backing Matthew Benham, but I do think that I would like to remain as a critical friend um, because I think it, I think, you know, it needs that. Um, so that instances like, uh, you know, no, <laughs> so that no, um, you know, so that, so that he, he can be questioned along the way because, you know, yeah, he's got, he's got the money. He's putting it in. He's a fan, but you know, he can, can as we've seen, make mistakes as well. Matt, uh, what's your thoughts? My, my overall thought is that it remains a, a bad short-term decision, um, mainly because Mark Warburton is everything I want from a manager. He's a nice guy. We play incredible football under him and he's successful. And you know what? If he wasn't so good, then this wouldn't be so difficult. And that's what makes it difficult. Um, but in the long term, I know where the, where the, you know, I can understand the arguments but it just makes it very difficult at the moment. I just hope that Mark can prove what an amazing manager he is by actually um, somehow getting the players going for the last 15 games of the season and doing something. Lainey, yeah, yeah. just briefly, just give us your thoughts. Um, on, uh, I, just, I, I, still, I, still, I still wish that last Tuesday hadn't happened and I really wish that Mark Warburton was still going to be our manager for the next five years. But um, in Matthew, I trust, and that's that's the way it's got to be. Um, and I just hope that we don't regret this. And um, but I think I really think we we can't underplay the fact that the two of them aren't enemies. There isn't. There isn't. It doesn't appear to be that there's two huge icebergs clashing into each other here. It's just that you know this. This whole situation was happening while we while we were winning, and there's there's no reason in that case why we can't continue to win while this situation is continuing. So you know, I, I just hope that the players. I don't. I, I we're going to do predictions. I'm sure shortly. I'm not sure Saturday is going to be our day. Tuesday will be, and I and I, I, we will make the playoffs. Let's have a performance on Saturday, though. Yeah, and um, just yeah, yeah, just yeah, and yeah, just for me, just briefly, I'm saying. I was secretly actually hoping that something would happen where these guys would be able to sort something else out. Because again, I think Mark Warburton, absolutely brilliant manager, and the utilisation of that information, which I think could be 
brilliant, this, this statistical information which could put you three, four, five, six steps ahead of the opposition with his man management skills and able to scout these players out. I think we could have been unstoppable. And again, I think I was almost secretly hoping that maybe in the last 15 games, if they were behind the scenes there, just working things out, if he'd won 13 out of the 15 games and we'd won the league and all of a sudden he was meant to be leaving. But then all of a sudden they sat down and they thought, actually, maybe this is actually quite fun and they could work something out and it'd be brilliant. Uh, unfortunately, like I said, I think the mole who told it to the papers has kind of sort of kind of sport that a little bit, but then you never know. You never know what might happen. At the end of the season, so, yes, they've worked out a deal, but <laughs> some... This is don't a funny old game, as don't, they say. Te- don't tease us, Billy. Don't tease us. <laughs> why not, though? Why, why? You know, that's perfectly fair. Maybe, maybe Jim will fix it. I, yeah, I'll, I'll well, maybe we won't go that we're far. About, yeah. Were that to happen, I would be I would run down the Braemar Road, waving oh. my Brentford scarf above my head while naked. But oh. you know, well, hey, oh, get it. all right, right. Maybe, maybe you bloody liberals are the same. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> listen, listen. But anyway, look. This is the besotted Pride of West London podcast. We are not going to talk about the Bournemouth game now because we're going to put that onto a little mini pod, which is going to accompany this podcast but we thought it's very important for us to talk about Mark Warburton and the future because a lot of people want to know about it want to hear the facts and figures and all this stuff and listen to little snippets of his interview so listen we've had a little bit of a wrapping up I hope you've enjoyed it we've uh, enjoyed getting this off our chest I think we're a little bit brighter this week you could probably hear it than we were last week where there was grey clouds all over the place but um, you could check us out besotted.co.uk audioboom.com forward slash besotted and also on YouTube besotted 19 92 on youtube subscribe press that button subscribe on audio boom subscribe everywhere also on itunes and this is the besotted pride of west london podcast i'm here with my billy grant i'm here with dave lane i'm here with matt allard jim levac and nick liberal nick carved you check us out on the bournemouth podcast as well and we're going to catch up with you next week but we're going to say mark warburton's up for it us fans are up for it we need to go because you never know mate norwich Listen, they've seen a, they've seen crack a little crack in 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 the door there now, but we ain't gonna let them through. Come on, you bees, let's have it. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered. By fans.